0: The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Thank you so much For who you are, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, I thank you that you brought us here today. That, Lord, we serve a, a sovereign God. You're completely in control. There's no one here by accident. There's no one here who is, is here because, uh, because of decisions of other people or whatever. We're ultimately here because you've led us here. We're ultimately here because you're kind and you're good and you're gracious and you pursue humanity. So God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your grace and your gift of allowing us to be here today. Lord, as we open your word, we need your understanding. We need your wisdom, because without it, we are nothing, we have nothing. And so, Lord, please speak clearly to us. Um, Again, do much for your fame and our joy. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, um, I'm very, very happy to be with you this morning. Uh, I, I don't normally say this, but my name is Grant. I'm the teaching pastor here at Christ Church. Sometimes I just assume people uh, know who I am. That is my uh, incredible arrogance. Um, that that I've, I uh, I got that from. Um, well, I guess both of my parents, right? I don't know, but anyway, uh, that's just that's just who I am. Love you, mom. Anyway, so. Today we're talking about united or divided, and uh, I figured I would start today's sermon off by trying to offend everyone in the room. So here we go. These are just jokes, people. These are jokes about denominations, okay? Are we ready for these? Are we ready for some denominational jokes? All right, here we go. Number one, Jews don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God, Protestants don't recognize the Pope as the ruler of the church, and Baptists don't recognize each other in a liquor store. So that's one, all right? We did one. Let's do one more. Here we go a woman died and she went to heaven and as she walked to the pearly gates of heaven, she saw Saint Peter at the gate and Saint Peter asked her her denomination and she answered, I don't have one. And so Saint Peter took her to different religions and different denominations in separate rooms. And first he opens the door where Peter took her to the Methodists and they were all drinking and, or the Baptists, and they were all drinking and have a great time. Then he took them to where the Methodist room was and they were dancing and having a great time. And then she looked at Saint Peter and was, uh, with a surprised look and and then he took her to the room where the catholics were and they were just sitting around twiddling their thumbs and so she turns to saint peter with another puzzled look and he tells her that the catholics were all partied out since they were able to do everything on earth all right so that's one more here we go let's do some light bulbs let's do some light bulb jokes here we go how many presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb change my grandmother donated that light bulb all right how many pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb Three, one to change a light bulb, two to cast out the spirit of darkness. Uh, All right. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Three, one to unscrew the bulb, and two to catch it. All right, now here we go. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? At least 15. One to change the light bulb, and three committees to approve the change and decide who brings the potato salad. All right, so these are funny, and we can laugh at them, and there are many, many more that I wanted to tell, but I like my job. And so, uh, What does it highlight? What do these jokes highlight? Here's what they highlight that we're divided. That, that there is a division between us, right? And although we might all be Christ followers, we are divided. And that's true. Th- th- there's no getting around that. That's absolutely true. I, um, I, I was working at a, a, a small country church up the road, Bellevue Baptist Church, and uh, I was taking a job um, at Munford Presbyterian Church. And one of the staff there literally told me this as I was about to leave to go to Presbyterian Church. He said, and, and, and he was very sincere, and he's trying to help me, he said, you know that if you go work for a Presbyterian Church, then if you ever try to be hired by another Baptist Church again, they might not hire you because you worked for a Presbyterian church, and I was like, well, that 's simple because i don 't want to go to those Baptist churches, so that 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 actually makes it easier for me, but it 's true like we're we 're divided, and although like we can sort of laugh at some of this stuff and we can laugh about it, it's very serious, and Jesus takes our unity very, very seriously, and he prays for it. And the moments before his arrest. Look in John chapter seventeen, verse twenty. You can turn there. We're gonna be jumping all over the Bible today, but you can turn there if you'd like to stay there. John chapter seventeen. There should be some Bibles under your chairs if you don't have one, or you can use your smartphone to follow along, all that jazz. All right. John chapter seventeen. Here's what Jesus prayed. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that's us, that they may, be, they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Look at what God accomplishes through our unity. Because he's praying for our unity for a purpose. And look at what he accomplishes. Back there in Verse 23 that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. So God uses our unity to prove to the world that Jesus is God and that the love of God is real. Jesus uses, So God uses our unity today to show the world that Jesus is God and that his love is real. That's incredible. And like, that's no joke. And you go, I don't know, that's, that's a little hard to believe that all of that could be accomplished just by us being united together. Look at Acts chapter 2. This is a, a unified group of believers in Acts chapter 2. You can turn there if you want. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All right, let me just read this to you. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. They took care of each other. They sacrificed for one another. They worshiped together. They lived their lives together. And What happened? What happened? Here's what happened. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. People believed that Jesus is who he says he is and that God's love is real because of their unity. God used their unity to show that to the world. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. But it shouldn't surprise us at all that God uses community so powerfully. Because after all, he wired us for that, right? Didn't he wire us for community? I think he designed it for us. Because every person has three needs. We have three relational needs. Everybody know what they are? We need to be loved, we need to be understood, and we need to be accepted. Anybody disagree? We all need these things. We need to be loved, I need to be understood, and I need to be accepted. And that's that's the groups we end up with. Those are the type of people we hang out with, right? People that love us, understand us, and accept us. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you get together with people with your same interests you know so so maybe uh, maybe you like to go to the gym a lot and you like to work out I don't understand you but uh, that's probably why we don't hang out but you're probably around other people who like to lift heavy things for no reason uh, and so good for you but anyway like you stay together with those people because what they love you they understand you and they accept you and that's what we want and you think about any type of a person in the world falls under this category church members we all we all have these three needs your family members. Members, friends, co-workers, prisoners, gang members, teammates, soldiers, people who lived their entire lives online. All of these people, the disciples and Jesus himself had these three relational needs to be loved, understood, and accepted. And God meets those needs so many times. How does he meet those needs? In community, in communities of people. And in fact, isolation and and loneliness have incredibly negative effects on our our physical health and our mental health. Uh, Maybe you've experienced that before, but it it has that effect. I was reading an an article um, uh, by a a researcher, um, John, uh, his last name is... uh, Cassioppo. I I knew I was going to mispronounce that. I don't know. Don't look it up. But anyway, he's a researcher at the University of Chicago, and he's done some research on the physical effects of loneliness and isolation, saying that it has has incredible effects, even so uh, that it can cause so much stress that it can lead towards uh, certain types of of cancers. It can lead towards other types of ailments and things. And then it has a a mental effect on people that, that literally there are parts of your brain that aren't stimulated when you're isolated and lonely it can it can change the way your brain works and God designed us for this connection in community and when we don't have it we suffer physically and mentally, but I would even make this argument. I would say that there's a spiritual detriment to us as well. When we're not involved in a unified, we're not united in a a unified Christian community, there's a spiritual detriment to us. Because not only does God accomplish much in the world and to other people because of our unity, but he accomplishes so much in us individually when we're united in community together. Here's some of the things that he does. And If you got your little hand out there, here's our first blanks. You ready? Let's Let's fill these out together. Here are some things that God accomplishes in you and me individually as we participate in a, in, a, in a unified Christian community. The first thing He does, He heals. John five sixteen says, "Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed." The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I think that this means, this could absolutely mean physical healing. As you guys know, one of our elders recently uh, uh, just found out last week that he, he has cancer. We've been praying over him together for healing. I'm praying literally that 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 tumor is gone, that he will be fine, that he is physically healed. And I believe that there's power in that. I believe that, that God honors that and that we're honoring God by asking, by doing what he's telling us to do. But I also think it also means spiritual healing as well. I think about, some of the greatest spiritual breakthroughs I've ever had in my life have been when I've been struggling with some sort of sin, some sort of temptation and I've just confessed it as James 5:16 tells me to and had someone pray for me There's like, there's a giant freedom there. There's been giant breakthroughs for me. And maybe you've experienced the same thing. When you finally got it off your chest, you told a brother, you told a sister, and they prayed with you. Wasn't there healing there? Wasn't God like, wasn't there, he just holding on to healing? He's like, man, I want to help you. I've told you how to do it. Please follow my wisdom. Just confess and talk it out and pray it out with somebody. And there's healing there. And he does that in our communities. There's also, he also protects us from sin. Hebrews 3, 13. But encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So he protects us from sin. A community of believers will protect each other from sin by by helping us see our blind spots. Have you ever gone to a friend and, and maybe you've been venting about something, like, man, I've been so wrong, I just had this interaction, I just had this conflict with somebody, and you wouldn't believe what they said to me, you wouldn't believe the, you know, like, they were so wrong and, and whatever, and then, like, your friend's listening, they're really patient, and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah actually, uh, you were wrong. You know, has has that ever happened to you where someone gave you another perspective and they're like, well, you're kind of being super selfish and inconsiderate right now. I I mean, like, yeah, I know you're upset and that's, give me a hug, but you're wrong. Have, Have you ever experienced that? Absolutely. Okay, so no one's married? Okay, but anyway, like, yeah, yeah, we've experienced that. We all have these blind spots and our community of faith helps us catch those. I think so many times it helps us catch those. And so many times also, uh, the Lord uses others in our, our community to, to break through lies about sin that we believe in ourselves. That's what it says there in Hebrews 3.13. So none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, you know, and, 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 so what that means is that so many times we don't know, like we believe that we're okay. Like, I think I'm like, I'm not prideful. And then finally, like someone, like someone else looking on the outside, they can recognize pride in me that I, I didn't recognize. Or I say, you know what? I, I, I don't, I didn't need, I didn't really handle that wrong. And then there's someone from the outside, like yeah, yeah you, you kind of did. And so our community of faith, living life together, is really helpful. It protects us from sin. It also eases our burdens. Galatians six two bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So it eases our, uh, the Lord eases our burdens in our communities. There are physical burdens we can carry for each other, absolutely. Like maybe someone's ill, you, you take care of their yard. Um, maybe someone's hungry, you feed them, absolutely. But there's also internal burdens that we can help one another carry. You know, I, I have someone in, in my family that uh, I have a huge burden for them. They don't follow the Lord Jesus and and, and they're, they're on a path completely leading away from him, and, um, and, and that's a, a deep burden on me, and I pray for them regularly. And you know what? People in, in here in this church family help me carry that burden because they pray with me. I know that there are people in this room right now, and I can name them to you. I know that today, either, either they already have or before the sun sets, they're going to pray for this person. And that helps carry my burden. That helps ease my burden, knowing that I'm not in this alone. I'm not calling out to the Father by myself. I've got all my brothers and sisters calling out as well. And, and also, have you ever been so frustrated and upset uh, about something that's going on in your life, where you are just, you're just really, you know, you've, you've got this burden of this, of this difficulty you're going through. And, and you know what? You, have a, you had a friend there. You had a brother or sister there with you uh, who, you know what? They couldn't fix it. They couldn't change it. Maybe it was something at work. They, they don't work with you. They're not your boss. They can't change it. But, but did it help carry your burden knowing that they were just like there with you? Knowing that, that they would listen to you? Knowing that they would pray for you, pray with you? Didn't that help carry your burden? And so the Lord oftentimes eases our burdens through our community of faith. He also inspires us to good works. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Sometimes God uses the passions that He gives you to inspire me to get off my butt and do something, right? Doesn't He do that? He inspires us to good works. So I think about there was a time where uh, we were going out on Saturdays and we were going to a community center in Fraser and we were like feeding people and doing like a little children's service and all kinds of like. It was like, literally, there was this one Saturday, I'm sitting there in the back of this this community center in Frazier, and I'm like, how, why am I here? Like, how did this happen? You know how it happens? Because somebody was, God like lit somebody on fire about doing this, and he was so excited and so impassioned, and because he was in my community, because I was always around him, I was inspired to come help, and I wanted to be a part of it. God inspires us to do good works together. Also He comforts us. First Thessalonians four, eighteen. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, God is spirit, right? We know that about God. John four four, God is spirit, and so that means that God doesn't have arms and he doesn't have legs and he doesn't have a mouth, but instead he has us. And so many times, like, isn't the comfort of God that you've experienced haven't the arms of God that he's wrapped around you, haven't they been the arms of somebody in your church? Haven't the words that he's spoken to you that brought that like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Didn't he speak that through someone in your church, right? Or those, those, those legs that, that went and did something for you, didn't, didn't God do that for you through that person? God comforts us through one another. He also teaches us through the examples of others. 1 Corinthians 11, one, Paul says something crazy. He says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul is saying, you can learn how to live as a follower of Jesus by watching me because I'm trying really hard. And you can you can try really hard and you can follow after me because I'm following him. Yeah, I might mess up, but but you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you when I mess up, just, just keep following me, just watch my example. You can learn from me. And there are people in this very church that I owe, a gratitude, I, 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 I owe a debt of gratitude I will never be able to repay. There are people that I've learned how to pray because you've prayed with me because I just listened to you pray. There are people in here that, that like, I've learned about how to deal with a difficult situation in my life because you dealt with it and I got to watch you deal with it and I saw how you honored the Lord in it. I didn't know how to do it, but you did it and I got to see that. God teaches us and instructs us um, through one another, and teaches us in our community. And in Titus chapter two, he, he tells uh, he tells the older men to instruct the younger men, and the older women to instruct the younger women. Right. So so again, it's all about instructing one another. The Lord teaches us a lot through one another. You know, I've I, I have four kids, and they're uh, they're four and under. I've never raised a kid over four years old, all right? Like right now, I've never raised a kid over four years old. But here's the thing, and I, I, I don't know how to stop it, and if I could, I would, they keep growing. Like every day, they get older, and they're approaching another age, and so you know what? I've never had a five-year-old. You know what? I've never had a kid in kindergarten. I've never had a kid in middle school. I've never had a kid in high school. I've never dealt with uh, uh, one of my children getting their heart broken for the first time. I, I, I don't know how to, I've never dealt with that. I've, I've never tried to disciple my kids I've, I've never done that I don't know but you do you've been there and the Lord wants to teach me so much through you through your example right and that's that's why we're here and so God placed us in a community instruct one another some of you walk with Jesus longer than I've been alive and I have so much to learn from you some of you have walked through deep valleys that I haven't even looked into yet and I have so much to learn from you and so God teaches us and unified communities, and so God does incredible things in our world through our unity, but also in our individuals, and for us individually, through our unified community, and since that is true, since that's true, and we have an enemy, we have uh, one who hates us, we have one who wants to steal our joy, I think if if he had a strategy, it would be this to divide and conquer. If I can destroy their unity, I will destroy all of these good things that God wants to do for them as well. And so, how does he do it? Let's look into his playbook real quick. I think he does it in three phases. Here it is one, he separates churches from one another. So, separating churches. Think about it. I just told you those jokes we got. Baptists Presbyterians, Methodists, non-denominational Lutherans, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, Church of God in Junior, Holiday Inn Express. Like we've got all of these denominations, right? And like we're separated. And and like we don't typically like play well together. And so there's a lot that we miss from one another. There's a lot that the Lord has. He might have resources literally down the street for us. But we don't play nice together, and so we don't have those resources, or, or we might have resources, or we might have things that, that we could do together for these other churches, and so we're divided. When I was in college, a friend of mine, uh, he was getting a degree in Christian <laughs> studies as well, and, and he was going to go to seminary, and I said, what are you going to do? You know, and typically what you hear is like, oh, I'm going to be a youth pastor, or I'm going to be a preacher, or I'm going to be a missionary, or whatever, and here's what he said. He said, every time I pass down a street and I see, like, three churches just right next to each other. And, like, you've seen it. You live here, right? Like, drive that way, right? You just see them right next to each other. He says, it just breaks my heart. He says, I think the reason it breaks my heart is because I think it breaks our dad's heart. He said so I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something to change that. And like to this day, that is what he's doing. Like that's what he's working on. And he's working on creating networks of churches and getting us back together. And so what, what, what can you do about churches being separated? Pray that the Lord ends that. Pray that the Lord gives us wisdom as leaders of the church to get together with other churches, to, to play nice as brothers and sisters, because like it or not, we're gonna be stuck with a lot of them for mm, eternity. All right, like, so pray that the Lord ends that. But these last two phases of his divide and conquer plan I think is what I want to focus on in the time we have remaining because these two phases take place in individual churches. These two phases take place right here, right now, Sunday morning, Bartlett, Tennessee in Christ Church right now. And so the the second phase is segregation of groups within the church. So segregating groups, I think he does that. You've heard the the phrase, birds of a feather flock together. And that's wonderful and that's helpful. Like I'm so thankful that we have we have like widows in this church who can minister to other widows in this church. You know who can take care of them because they've been there and they and they have the same shared experience. And I'm so thankful that we have a student ministry of a bunch of students where students can show up and they can go be with other students. I'm so thankful we have a women's ministry where women can get together and and just just be better than us all the time. Like that's what you do. That's fantastic. I'm so thankful we have a we have a a, a young mothers Bible study where if you uh, just popped out a kid or two, you can come in this room together and study the Bible together and talk about how you never have clean shirts anymore. Like, that's fantastic. I love that. That's, that's wonderful. And that, there's a place for that, and we need that. That's fantastic. But here's where I think we, we lose. Here's where I think we play into this strategy, is when, when we're so locked into these groups that we ignore the rest of the family that God's put around us. We're so locked in that we completely ignore the rest of the family that's around us. Um, So my, my two, three-year-old, how old are they? Three-year-old. My three-year-old Jude wants to be my four-year-old Max. No matter what he does, he wants to do it. Like, so for example, this past weekend, we were jumping on the trampoline, Max and I were, and uh, we were playing pop the popcorn, you know, where like he tries to stay in a ball and I try to bounce him until, you know, he can't hold on anymore and whatever. Well, um, I popped him real good and uh, I landed on his foot and uh, bruised his foot pretty bad. Thought I broke it. Like, I was just like, well, I'm the worst parent ever. And so, um, so Max has been, like, hobbling around. It's not broken, just bruised, but he's, like, been hobbling around or whatever. So my three-year-old has been following my four-year-old around hobbling as well, right? Like, oh, my foot, my foot, it's just that time, you know what I mean? And so, like, like, the thing is, like, that's great, but you know it'd be a tragedy if he ignored his sister, or if he ignored his other brother, or if he ignored me or his mom, because you know what, I've got Max, and that's all I need. That'd be a tragedy, right? And we do the same thing with the family that God's put around us. In Corinth, you know, Paul's writing to the Corinthians in, in, in Corinth, and that's what's happening there. There's not unity. They've, they've got in their groups, they're segregated by the groups, the rich people are together, the poor people are together, the educated are together, the Greeks are together, right? So everybody's together and they don't mix. They even separate by spiritual gifts in Corinthians, right? They're like, well, I speak in tongues, so I'm over here. Oh, what do you do? Oh, Prophesy? Well, I don't care. Get over here, right? You smell, right? Like we're in our groups and they're suffering because of it. And Paul wrote this to them in 1 Corinthians twelve twenty one. He says, the eye, talking about the body of Christ, we're all in the body of Christ. He said, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And I think sometimes we're guilty of the same thing. We get into our groups, and we say, this is good, and I like this, whatever, and we look at the people around us who aren't in our little group, and we say, I have no need of you. You're too old. You're too young. You don't like the stuff that I like, right? You do, we don't have the same preferences. You don't fit into my schedule. Your life doesn't look like my life. I have no need of you, and we're not rude. I don't think anyone ever says that. Has anyone ever said that here? We got, we got some issues. No, that's, I don't think that's, no one's ever said that, but ultimately, that's what, that's what we're communicating. And so the enemy successfully leaves us in our categorized groups, segregated groups, and we don't mix. And the problem is, these are people, Just I just told you what God does for us in our communities, these are people who could encourage you, and can comfort you, and instruct you, in all these wonderful things, and bear your burden, and they're all in those other groups, in the family that he's provided for you, you know? and And, and so we need to break out of these things, and and, and so I think that's the first thing he does. He separates us into groups. The, the third thing he does is he, the isolation of individuals. Isolation of individuals. I, I read an article entitled Alone in the Crowd on uh, American uh, Psychological uh, Association's website. And in the article, they're interviewing uh, Dr. Sherry Turkle on her book Alone Together. Um, and she studies how social networking has affected our society. How's it changing our society? And here's what she said. The, the question was asked of her, how has social networking through technology changed society the most? And here was her answer. The most dramatic change is our ability to be elsewhere at any point in time, to sidestep what is difficult, what is hard in a personal interaction, and go to another place where it does not have to be dealt with. So, it can be as simple as what happens when my 15-year-olds gather for a birthday party. As anyone who's ever been been 15 knows, there's a moment at such events when everyone wants to leave. Things get awkward. It is, however, very important that everyone stay and learn to get along with each other. And these days, however, when this difficult moment comes, each 15-year-old simply retreats onto Facebook. Whether or not they physically leave the birthday party, they have left. When teens tell me that they'd rather text than talk, they're expressing another aspect of their new psychological affordances of the new technology, the possibility of our hiding from each other. They say a phone call reveals too much. The actual conversation doesn't give them enough control over what they want to say. And this is our culture. We are isolated and we like it. And I don't care how old you are. You say, well, I'm these kids. No, no, no. That's all of us. We are all like that. Think about it. When, when your doorbell rings, like it might not have been this way 30 years ago, 40 years ago. When your doorbell rings, is there not like two things immediately surprise? What? wait, my doorbell still works? Like that, number one. Then number two is like fear. Like, does so, is someone here to hurt me or steal something from me? Like, no one comes to my house. Like, you don't come to my house unless I know you're coming to my house. We don't do that anymore. We go in our house. We lock the door. Stay out, right? You darn kids, stay out of my yard, Like, right? Like, we have our thing. This is my life. And stay out we're isolated. And so what we've become is we're a culture of, uh, we're not a culture of bridge builders, but we're a culture of wall builders, right? I'm not trying to connect to you necessarily. I want false connections. I want connections under my control, you know? Like I can be your friend online because I don't like what you have to say, I'll just block you or ignore you or whatever. And then even, I love the passive aggressive options on all these social media things. It's like, I can block you in a way that you won't know that you're blocked. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can ignore you in a way. So people are like, hey, did you see that post? Yep, absolutely did. Leave me alone forever. Like, it's just like, we love to isolate ourselves. I don't want the difficulty of the people around me. And so we keep people at a comfortable distance. And in doing so, we miss the blessings of the community. So we, we can't be healed if no one knows we're hurt. We can't have someone carry our burden if no one sees the burden. We, we can't be comforted if we don't let anyone close. We can't learn if we aren't listening. So the enemy wants us isolated. And these two strategies work. Why do they work? I think when it comes to segregating groups, well, we're comfortable with what we know. And and you know what I, I'm comfortable with my preferences and I I don't I don't want the the fear of I don't want to deal with the fear of getting out of my comfort zone of going somewhere I haven't gone before or talking to someone who has nothing like nothing in common with me or so I think right and so so sometimes it's fear sometimes it's just I'm just lazy I don't want to do the work to go to to, to reach outside of where I'm comfortable and I think when it comes to isolating ourselves we we have our comfort we have our preferences and, and stuff but I, I think also we have a lot of fear like. What happens if I open up and I'm not accepted? What, what happens if I open up and I'm betrayed? You know, what happens if I open up and They they don't like what, what they hear? They don't like what they see? Or maybe you've been hurt before and so you're a little gun shy about all of that. And so isolation seems safer. Here's what I'm saying to you. Within this community of faith, can we not let fear win? Let's trust God. Let's trust God to protect us. It's not up to you to protect yourself. It's up to him. Like, let that be on him. Let him protect us. As we try to be obedient to what he's saying, okay, God, you want me in this community of faith together? You want us to share our lives together? I'm gonna do it. Now, protect me. And let's trust God to do that, to protect us as we build bridges and we tear down walls between us. He's good and he's faithful and he will. So if the enemy's actively working against our unity, and we should be actively working for our unity, right? If the enemy's actively working against our unity, shouldn't we be actively working towards it? I think we absolutely should. So how do we counter his strategy? And you flip your little, your sheet over there, this is on the back. Against us being segregated in our groups, I have three suggestions. And let's use Acts chapter 2 as our guide. What I read before about the, the fellowship of the believers, how they were all together. Let's use that as our God. In verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and fellowship. If they devoted themselves to fellowship, I figure that would imagine that they like they know each other. They probably know each other, right? So let's start simple. Really simple. Introduce yourself and talk to people. Now, I know you're like, wow, you went to college? I know, right? But it might, be too, it might sound too simple, but do people do that? No, people don't do that. It's weird. Like, for example, when I'm in a public place and I'm like in a waiting room or whatever and someone tries to talk to me, I'm like, that's off-putting. Okay, you know what I mean? Like you might think, oh Grant, you're a little talkative or whatever. Yeah, not so much. Like that's off but is that does that make you feel weird? Like you're in a public place, like I'm in a doctor's office. I'm in a waiting room. I'm here to see the doctor and I'm not I'm not here to talk about your mystery boil, stranger, right? Like I just wanna talk to the doctor. And like, so, so like when they like come, like they start talking to me, it's like, it's like weird. It's like, okay, what, what do I have to say to be polite so that I can go back to playing Angry Birds on my phone and you leave me alone, right? Like we're, this is not why we're here. We're not here to, to become friends and for you to show me the mole on your neck. I'm, I'm here to see the doctor. You're here to see the doctor. Let's just sit quietly and stay, like stay on our separate sides in our own chairs and then we'll go see the doctor. And that's how this, works but our church isn't a doctor's office our goal isn't to come here to listen to a sermon don't talk to me I just gotta listen to a sermon and then I'm good and I can go I can take my bulletin home or my proof of attendance home and I and I'm good right and we'll move on our goal is to meet with God and to meet with one another to meet with God and to meet with one another so let me make a suggestion let's make our church weird Let's make it a weird place. You go, we, we, did it. we have a great start. You're here, Grant. I get that. All right, well done. But let's make it weird. Let's be people who, who want to be connected, who want to be a part of something, not just attend something. Like, let's introduce ourselves. Let's talk with one another a lot. Let's get to know each other. So back to verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. They did everything together. There weren't people who said, ah, I'm, not the, I'm not the breaking of bread type person. Uh, I go to the teaching, and then, uh, then I go home. Or, ah, I'm, not, I'm not the prayer guy. Uh, I'm, I really dig the fellowship, and then I just, I just got to kind of go. They were everywhere together. And so here's my second suggestion for breaking down that segregation of our groups. Go to an area of the church you've never been. Now, I don't mean like, uh, what's up there? I don't mean that, all right? Like, today, please don't do that. We don't need a bunch of people just wandering around. Three people are in the baptistry right now. We don't know what's happening. Like, I don't mean that. Here's what I do mean. What I do mean is that, is there an area of our church or like a ministry of our church that you've never darkened, like you've never darkened that door, or, or you don't frequent? So, like, is it Sunday school? I just come to the service. I'm not really involved in a Bible study or whatever. Try it. Try it. Break out. Try it. Or, or a Wednesday night dinner. Or or maybe you want to try to come serve with the, the student ministry. We need you. Maybe it's uh, the prayer meeting on Tuesday nights you've never been. Come pray with us. Maybe it's the potluck dinner they do once a month. Maybe it's the help group we do on Saturdays. Or, or, or maybe it's the Jackson Avenue feeding ministry we do on Sundays. Go to an area of the church you've never been. I'm not saying go by yourself. You don't have to go by yourself. Grab somebody. Find your most gullible friend and tell them you're taking them to a happy place and then like get them to come with you, whatever that is, right? But serve alongside people you've never served with. Go experience something. Hang out with people you would never hang out with. I have an advantage over you because like part of my job is like, to do that, to go, like, to, to be with you, to hang out with you, and that's fantastic. That's a great advantage. There was a few years ago, um, Brother John was leading the uh, the Destin trip, the, the, the senior adults uh, Destin trip, and he couldn't go, or, or I don't know, something came up, but anyway, he asked me to go in his place, and, like, that's not my first choice of people to vacation with, right? Like, Uh, it's, it's just, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, hey, at the time, uh, this was, this must have been, uh, this was about five years ago because Angela's pregnant with, with Max at the time. And, uh, and so it was like, go, go to Florida with, uh, with a bunch of people, um, who, who are more than twice your age. This will be fun. And I was like, oh man, all right. And so like We went. And Angela, she was super pregnant at the time. She, uh, she dug a hole in the sand for her stomach so she could lay out. She's a real ingenious lady. But you know what? You know what? Spending time with the people down there, to this day, five years later, I still feel a connection to everyone that was in that room with me. All those, those meals we shared, the times we studied the Bible together, the times we sang together, um, I'm still connected to those people, every one of them. And there's special relationships that came out of that trip that I wouldn't have had. I would not have had, because I would not have chosen to go do that, because it's uncomfortable. It's outside of what I normally do. Do that. Go make yourself uncomfortable. Go to an area of the church. There's huge blessings waiting for you. Um, Verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They served each other. That's what they did. They served each other. So third suggestion, can your group, the people you normally click with, serve another group in the church? whatever your group is. That could be your Sunday school class. That could be your, uh, a prayer group you're in. That could just be your immediate family. You might say, Grant, I don't do anything in church. It's just, I come to church with my family. Okay, that's your group. Can your group serve another group in the church in some way? Can they become, can, like, can you go to another Sunday school class, say, hey, we want to pray for you guys. That's how we're going to help you. We, every week, we're going to pray for you guys. Let us know how we can pray for you. Or maybe make a meal. You don't have to know anybody really well to know, like, what to cook for them, right? Like, we live in the South. Fry it and put gravy on it. It doesn't matter what it is. Fry it and put gravy on it. Anybody gonna say no to that? I don't think so. Fry it and put gravy on it and bring a cake. And, like, you have served them, all right? Like, that's it. It's simple. Bring them a meal. Maybe a note of encouragement. Maybe, maybe, can I say something crazy? Maybe your Sunday school class goes like goes to Pam Wilson our children's director and says hey we want to give all the nursery workers the the Sunday off can we serve this Sunday and like give them a break right maybe it's something like that I don't know but can your group serve another group in the church and hopefully this is going to get us started in integrating our groups rather than segregating our groups but we also need to stop isolating ourselves as well. So let's look at at, uh, at an answer to the enemy strategy. But um, And I have four suggestions for that. Before I say that, the key to these suggestions is understanding that this isn't a club we're in. This is a family. This isn't a group of, of strangers that come together and, you know, we, we, we go on trips together. This is a family that God's put together. Ephesians 2.19 says, you are members of God's family. So when when you build bridges and you tear down walls of isolation, you aren't doing it for strangers on the other side who happen to pay their dues and just be there. You're doing it for family members that God's given you, that God's graciously giving you. So think about it in those terms. When you're, when you're, you're breaking out of that isolation, you're doing it to meet family. You don't know their name, that's fine. You're doing it to meet family. We, we went up, uh, uh, up north where a bunch of Angela's family uh, came from. Uh, before they came down here and got saved in the south. And uh, we brought our kids up there, and my kids didn't know anybody. But did that mean those people we met weren't their family? No, they were their family. They needed to get to know them in the same way. As you, you might say, but I, I don't really know. They're your family. Get to know your family. So my, my first suggestion, serve with your family. For those who regularly serve at our help group, we do once a month, we do this big feeding ministry. For those of you who regularly participate in that, let me ask you a question. Has God grown you closer to the people that you serve alongside? Has God grown you closer to people you didn't know before that that ministry started? He has for me. Absolutely. That's one of the th- That's a great way to break yourself out of isolation is how can you serve along somebody? VBS. Come help us at VBS. Come set up next Sunday at VBS with us. I guarantee you God will give you a connection with a family member you didn't know before you started to serve with them. So God will bless us in service. The The second thing is worship with your family. And, and now I mean Sundays in worship service. Let me ask you a question. Have there been times where we've been singing a song, and it happened for me this morning. Have there been times where we've been singing a song, and you hear all the people around you singing, and you you see them up here singing and all of that, and you feel, you can't explain it, but you feel connected to the people in the room in a way you didn't when you walked in? Does that happen to anybody else? Just me? Am I the weirdo, right? No, I know I am, but does that happen to anybody else? That happens to me all the time, where the Lord does something as we worship together that, that... connects us together. I don't know, maybe it's because his Holy Spirit's here and that whole thing, but he connects us all together. So we need to worship together. But also, I don't mean just in, in big church, as he used to call as a little kid. I mean also in Bible studies, learn together. Those that are in a Sunday school class or those that are in a Bible study, it's your relationship with those people in that room. Isn't there something different? Isn't there something special and unique about your relationship with the people you learn with versus the people you don't? Yeah, of course there is. The Lord binds us together as we learn together. Trust builds there and, 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 and a bond builds there and, and he builds bridges for us as we learn. Uh, pray with your family. We already said in James 5, 16, uh, we we read that, confess your sins to one another. For some of you, I've already said it once, but I'll say it again, there is healing and deliverance waiting for you the minute you confess and have someone pray for you. The Lord's like, look, I put this family around you. I want to serve you. I want to set you free. And here's how I'm going to do it. You need to go confess to a brother. You need to go confess to a sister. You need to be prayed for. So ask someone to pray for you. And I mean really ask. You want to break down that wall? I mean really ask. I don't mean like go up to somebody and say, hey, look, Grant said I need to ask for prayer, so uh, could you pray for me? My great aunt Sally's dog broke his tail, and uh, would you please pray for Boomer? No, no, no. I mean like really ask for prayer. This is what's going on in my life. Like, like really be vulnerable as you ask for prayer. And then also ask to pray for someone serve other people, serve your family by praying for them. Uh, on Tuesday nights, we come in here for a little prayer time, and usually it's no more than like 10 people show up, and, and we, we sit here, and, and we pray together, and we spend most of the time like talking with one another, and, and then praying over the, the different things that we need prayer for, and you know what? Those people in that room, like they, I have a connection with them. There's a bridge built with them that I don't have with other people in, in the church necessarily. Like there's a lady that I pray with and she's 90 years old. And unfortunately she drives herself there, but that's another topic. All right, but anyway, she is 90 years old. And like we come from very, very different places, but I love her with all of my heart. And I have so much affection for her and, I have, and like, I'm so connected with her in a way that, that I can't say for a lot of people. And you know why? It's because I've been able to pray with her. It's because we've talked to dad together. And that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So come on Tuesday night and pray with us. Or, or go, go to your Sunday school classes. Go to the different people you know and pray with one another. Because God builds bridges as we do that. The fourth thing and the last thing. Live with your family. And here's what I mean. I don't mean like just show up at another church member's house. Well, can I crash on your couch? That'd be weird, but don't do that. Invite people into your real life. We have a tendency to section off our lives, right? You know what I mean? You might have coworkers, but as soon as, in like your friends, but your work friends. You know what I mean? As soon as I walk out the door, they're dead to me. Okay. Like, I don't know if they're there on Monday, fine, whatever. I don't care. Like that's, they stay there. You know what I mean? Or, or you might have people like that at church. Like, hey, I see you on Sunday. I'll see you on Wednesday. But, in, but like, if you ran into them at Kroger on a Monday, it's just kind of weird. Like, do I say hi? Do I, I don't know. Like we section off people in our lives. And here's what I'm saying to you. When we do that, we're missing the, the life-changing relationships God has for us. So, so here's what I'm saying to you. To the, to, to, to the people that you don't already do this to, invite people to your real life. Invite them to your home. Invite them out for dinner. Invite them to, to do something with you out in the real world, outside of these walls. Invite people to spend real time with you. I'll give you an example there's a a man in our church um, who is uh, uh right about my dad 's age, and uh, he's somebody in the church that I, I really admired like I liked being around him at church, and like that was that was cool like I was good with that, you know what I mean like like okay we 'll talk and i 'll be like real inspired and love Jesus and everything while we talk, and then i 'll go live my life, and then i 'll come back and we 'll talk on a Sunday or whatever. And, and I don't know how, I really don't remember how, I, I don't remember if it was his suggestion or my suggestion, it was probably his because he holds a lot of wisdom and I'm dumb. But anyway, um, there's a suggestion to, hey, one Friday afternoon, let's, you want to meet at Starbucks and we'll talk then, just spend some time together then. And it was like, uh-oh, you know what I mean? Like, that's real world, okay? Like, that's not Christchurch Starbucks, is it? Like, is that a, like, what are we doing here? That's real world. And you know what? Like, again... I have, I have a debt I'll never be able to repay to him because of what the Lord's done through him in that time I've spent with him. Somebody, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I would have just hung out with him on my own, but spending time with him in the real world and, and having that real connection, I love Jesus more because of the time I've spent together with this person. Do you get that? That's a giant reward. That's a giant blessing right there. And so live with your family, like really live, not church live, really get out there together in the real world. So my conclusion, our enemy is working hard against our, our, our unity in our community, but let's work hard for God's will. We know it's God's will because Jesus prayed for it, that we would be unified. So let's work hard to be bridge builders. Like, let that be said of us, that we are bridge builders together. And I want to end with something I've never done before. I've been preaching here now for four years or so, um, and so some of you are like, it feels a lot longer. I get it, but I want something I've never done before, I, I want to give you homework. I'm going to give you an assignment, and here's what it is. I want you to think about this week. You have one week to think of and do something that will build bridges for you in our church. You have one week to think of and actually do it to help build bridges in our church in some way. And I don't know what it is. And I'm not going to tell you what to do, okay? That's for you to figure out, and I want you to do it. And no one's exempt. Like, students, you're not exempt. You're like, well, we'll be in Florida this week. I don't care. Figure it out, all right? Like, no one's exempt, you know? Well, I've only been a member of the church a month. Welcome. Get to work, right? Like, I I don't care. I don't care. You know what? I've, I've done my time. No, no, no. There is none of that. Figure out a way. And and you know what? You know what would be awesome? Today at lunch, I want you to talk about it. When when you get when you back together, if you get together on Wednesday night for something, I want you to talk about it. Tuesday night when you show up to, to pray together. I want you to talk about it there. Next Sunday, when you get in your Sunday school class, th- that would be an awesome way to start your conversation in Sunday school. Is just it's just, hey, what have you guys come up with? What's going on? I want you to email me. I want you to stop me in the hallway. Hey, hey Grant, listen, I, I think I'm gonna do this. i have come up with this. Like like, let's do this. Let's work, actively work for God's will for us, for our joy in His fame of being unified together. Let's figure it out. How are we gonna build bridges this week? The enemy is doing his best to figure out how to disrupt our unity this week and divide us and conquer us. So this week, let's do the, the, the will of the Father which is to follow through on, on how to pursue unity um, based around him that will honor him and unite us together. Um, well, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for our time together. Um, I thank you for the, the opportunity to, to look at your word. And I thank you, Lord, for calling us together in a family. You, I, I mean, you could have like, saved us and separated us. Like saved us and then stuck us on a shelf and stay to yourself and then one day we'll all put you all together when you're in heaven. But instead, you've called us together in a church. Like we're together now. This is how you've made it and you designed it. And you do wonderful, wonderful things for us in community. Lord, help us reject our natural tendencies to isolate and to build walls and to tear down bridges. Help us reject all of that this week, and to pursue unity this week, to reach out to our family, to reach out and to serve other groups in our church, to experience new things, to meet new people, um, to, to find, like, literally find hidden blessings you have all around us here in our community of faith. Help us pursue unity to honor you, so that people will see us and go, man, Jesus really is who he says he is. Man, God's love is a real, real thing because I saw it there. So God, help us honor you with that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We've got like just a few minutes. We're going to stand and sing in a minute, but I just thought of something.